Good morning. I have a few announcements to make. First of all, kids, our regular Sunday night programs meet tonight upstairs in Family Life Center. Now make sure you remember that's upstairs. Social Hall is under renovation. Thanksgiving Basket Project is still in need of more funds. If you'd like to help with this in any way, you uh, please mark an envelope or let see Don Lewis for more information. At the end of your pews, I believe, is this card for reservation for the meal next Sunday for the celebration luncheon after our consecration pledge Sunday. You need to fill one of these out or let someone know if you plan to come attend. And then just um, overall reminder that this that next Sunday is when we do combined service at 10 o'clock in here in the sanctuary, one service. And then after this service, we will go to the Family Life Center for this meal. <coughs> we will have Margie Crowley, I believe, is going to speak to us today about... Uh, about that, and we're going to have her come up. But before she comes up, I want to recognize our veterans. Today is Veterans Day, and um, the origins of Veterans Day are in World War I. It was Armistice Day, but it became Veterans Day as a legal holiday in 1938 here in our country. And so it, uh, it is Veterans Day, and any, I like, first of all, like just if you're a veteran, would you stand up? Just stand up and stay standing for a moment if you're a veteran, okay? Now, if you are a child or a spouse of a, of a, a widow or a widower of a veteran, would you stand up? If you were a child or a widow or a widower? Let me look at that. Let us give thanks to our veteran families. Thank you very much. Okay, Margie. three will begin our worship. Good morning. I would like to begin with a couple of verses of scripture that Kevin Duncan, our uh, chairman of finance committee, is asking us to think about this coming week. It's taken from 2 Corinthians, verses 7 and 8. Everyone must make up his or her own mind as to how much he or she should give. Don't force anyone to give more than he really wants to, for cheerful givers are the ones that God prizes. God is able to make it up to you by giving you everything you need and more so that there will not only be enough for you and your needs, but plenty left over to give joyfully to others. The word of God for the people of God. As a child, I was a member of a small Baptist church in Blaney, South Carolina. And a typical Sunday for me would be to go to Sunday school and church with my parents and family on Sunday morning, 
come home, have dinner, visit grandparents or other relatives, go back on Sunday afternoon to GAs, come home, more family time, and then go back at night for singing and preaching. And I love that service. Sunday morning began with our mother dressing the four of us in what she referred to as our Sunday best because we were going to God's house. And our daddy would give each of the four children a dime to put in the offering plate. Now, a dime today doesn't sound like much money, but remember, we're talking about the late 30s and the early 40s. And a dime to children back then meant a double dip of ice cream. After Sunday school, when we would come out, we would always sit with our family. And across the aisle from our pew would be my grandparents. And sprinkled among the other members were other family members. The feeling that I received in this church were ones of peace and closeness to family and closeness to God. The same kind of feeling that I have received over the years at Memorial Methodist. Before the days of envelopes, it was very easy for us to look and see what the grown-ups were putting in the offering plate. And we noticed that our daddy and granddaddy and the other men would put in what we considered as children big money because it was the paper kind. We asked our daddy once, why do y'all put in so much money on Sunday? And his answer was, because that's my way of saying thank you to God for all the blessings that I have received for my family and for me. And hopefully it's, it's money that's going to be used to help bring blessings to others. And it's also used to keep the church going. And he explained what he meant by keeping the church going. There were bills to be paid. We had to pay the preacher. We had to pay to keep the church cool and warm. We had to pay for the Sunday school books, for the hymnals. And the list went on and on. We understood that. And my daddy used that opportunity as the perfect time to explain tithing to us about giving 10% of what God has allowed you to have. As we were a little older, we each began working in our daddy's store in Camden. He would pay us each Saturday afternoon. That paper money looked really good and really big to us. But the first thing he would say to us when we first started was, remember, before you start buying anything that you want, 10% comes off the top for you to put in the collection plate on Sunday. And as we looked at him, he said, but remember, you get to keep 90%. That sounded like a pretty good deal. And that's still a good deal today. Growing up, there were three things that I really wanted when I became an adult. I wanted to be a wife and mother like my mother. 
I wanted to work with children, like my fifth grade school teacher, I wanted to be a teacher. And I wanted the love of music that God had blessed me with to be used in some way to glorify Him. And a big, big part of my being able to receive a yes on my prayers, the credit goes to Memorial Methodist Church. You allowed me to be happy with all three of those. How can I say thank you enough to a church and to my God that allows me to receive so many blessings every day? There would not be enough time nor enough money for me to say really a thank you. But one thing that I can do is in a small way, give of my time, and if you feel I have any ability, I will give of that, and I can certainly give 10% of my income. God loves a cheerful giver. And one thing that I have learned, and I, I want us all to remember, is no matter what we choose during this week to give to our church, we can never outgive God.
pray together. Give us, O Lord our God, understanding to know you, diligence to seek you, wisdom to find you, and a faithless that may finally embrace you. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us affirm our faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, 
the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. be seated and let our children come forward for our children's time. Today we're going to talk about a big word, and it's a word called sacrifice. Does anybody know what sacrifice means? John? Good. That's exactly right. It's, it means to offer something up that's precious to you that you would uh, um, hate to lose. And, you know, just a little earlier, Ms. Crowley talked about um, doing that in some ways in what we decide to tithe this week. So keep that in mind. Um, what, uh, can anybody tell me what today is? Veterans Day. And the preacher already stole my thunder. But um, can you tell me what a veteran is? Emma? person who served in a war doesn't have to be in a war but if they just served in the in the armed forces then they're then they're a veteran um, and today on Veterans Day is a day that we take um, to honor those men and women who have served and Memorial has had lots of people over the years that have served in the armed forces um, we already had all the veterans that were here today stand up for us so I hope you saw who those people were. Um, I, I may ask them to stand up again in a few minutes. Um, but they all have one thing in common, and that thing is that they gave something precious, they sacrificed, um, in order to defend our country. Um, they sacrificed by being away from their families and friends and their country, some of them for several years, especially back during World War II. Um, there's not a whole lot of folks in here uh, that remember World War II, but there are some people here. There are actually three people that I know of, two that are here today that served in World War II that are over 90 years old. And they were away from home for a long time. Miss Carm Hudson right there. And all the way back there on the back row in his usual, usual seat is Mr. Toby Wright. And Miss Hudson served for a long time um, and she was in England, 
I think, most of the war. And Mr. Wright was in uh, North Africa and Europe during the war. But um, they sacrificed um, for our country. Um, we're grateful that they came home from the war. And when they got home, they got married and they had children and grandchildren and in some cases, great-grandchildren. And um, they've made wonderful contributions to this church and this community. Um, but there's some that didn't come home. And those people who didn't come home gave their lives for their country. But you know, there's somebody else that all of you know who it is that made a greater sacrifice than any of those people. Do you know who it is? Jesus. Right there on that stained glass window. Jesus did. Um, he sacrificed his life too. And while he was nailed to the cross, the sins of every person who ever lived were on his shoulders. He sacrificed his life so that we can be forgiven of our sins and that we can live our lives knowing that by his grace that we're saved. Um, so on this Veterans Day, let us honor the sacrifice that our veterans have made and um, to defend our country. But what we really need to remember mostly and to never forget is that the greatest sacrifice ever made was made by Jesus Christ. Now, we're going to say a prayer together in just a few minutes, but um, I have a book here that um, many of you, some of you may have seen before, but if you'd like one, I'll give you one. And anybody else, I've got a few up here after the service, if they'd like to have one, can have one. But Dr. Kent Bridges and several other people who were veterans made this book up several years ago, and it's got pictures and all sorts of stuff in there of all of the veterans um, from Memorial that, that served over the years. Some of them go back a long, long time. And you can take one of those books with you. And let's, I would li also like to ask that at the end of the service, if you find, go out there and find some of those people that you saw stand up earlier and thank them for their service, okay? Now y'all pray with me. Father God, Thank you for our veterans. Thank you for those who serve today. Bring them home safely. Thank you for the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our scripture lesson comes from Psalms, Psalm 78, verses 69 to 72. He built his sanctuary like the heights, like the earth that he established forever. 
he chose David his servant and took him from the sheep pens. From tending the sheep, he brought him to be the shepherd of his people, Jacob, of Israel, his inheritance. And David shepherded them with integrity of heart. With skillful hands, he led them. The word of God for the people of God.
Let us bow our heads and be silent as we go to the Lord in prayer. O God, in your mercy, hear the prayers of these thy people. Almighty and merciful God, our souls thirst for you both day and night. You are the author of our salvation. You give us everything we need for a fruitful living. And so we come now into this house of thanksgiving to offer praise to your holy name and to sing our songs, to offer our petitions. We humbly come before you because of the grace of our baptism. You have adopted us and called us children. You made us heirs to eternal life and incorporated us into your family which we call the church. But we must confess this day, O God, that we are a forgetful people. Many times we do not honor you. We take great delight in our works instead of delighting in your works. Forgive us this day, O God, our selfish ways, and help us by the power of the Holy Spirit to be reminded that you entrusted us with a mission to take the gospel of Christ to the world. And so we pray, O oh Lord, that you would send us out to our places and our businesses and our communities, our associations, our schools, and help us accomplish with joy the task that you've called us to so that may others may come and be part of your family and worship you. We pray this day and lift up before you those who we have listed in our prayer concerns and those that we speak now in the softness of our hearts. We know that many lives are comprised of tears. We know people whose spirits are downcast. We know those who are mourning. We pray, O oh God, that you'd speak your gracious word of comfort and grant them release. We pray, O oh God, that you would answer us. We know that you hear us. We know that you're merciful. And let our prayers be joined with the one who stands before you in heaven, Jesus Christ our Lord, who taught us to pray with one voice, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We United Methodists believe that giving is part of worship. So let's continue our worship with our giving as our ushers come forward to receive our tithes and our offerings.
Please be seated. Our scripture lesson today comes from 2 Samuel chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. Give attention to the reading of God's holy word. Now all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and said, We are your own flesh and blood. Now in the past, while Saul was king over us, you were the one who led Israel on their military campaigns. And the Lord has said to you, you will, be, will shepherd my people Israel, and you will become their ruler. So when all the elders of Israel had come to King David at Hebron, the king made a compact with them at Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel. So David was 30 years old when he became king, and he reigned 40 years. In Hebron, he reigned over Judah seven years and six months. Then they moved the capital to Jerusalem, and in Jerusalem, he reigned over all Israel and Judah for 33 more years. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Oh Lord, thank you for giving us the example of a life, a life that was used by you, and also a life that is a lesson for us to be careful, to be watchful when we're on top of the world. We pray in your name. Amen. You know, I've always enjoyed David. I think David is a very interesting character all through Scripture, and most of us know all the children's stories that come from David, about David. And you probably remember that in Scripture, it describes David as a man after God's own heart. Now we find David here in this reading at the top of the world. He had just been proclaimed king. King over all of Israel. And David, fulfilling the scripture that said he'd become greater and greater, took upon himself this mantle. He was 30 years old. And think about he was in his 30s during his beginning of his reign. He was on top of the world. Master of all that he surveyed. You know that... Trouble's coming. We know that because we know our Bible stories. We know, for instance, that God would say no to his plan to build a temple. We know there's that business with Bathsheba. We know about a death of a child that he loved. And we know about the rebellion of his son. We know all these things. But before any of these have occurred, for the time at least, David is on top of the world. You know, all of us as believers, we know that our faith has lots to say to us when we're in trouble, it, it, when we're facing a crisis, or when we're taking on our own version of Goliath in our life, or when we've lost a friend or a loved one like David did. We, we know our faith has things to say to us in those times, but does our faith have anything to say to us when things are going well? when we've realized at least some of our plans and dreams, when life is feeling pretty good? Uh, does our faith have anything to say to us when we're on top of the world, 
when we've achieved great things, and when we survey all that is ours and all that we've accomplished? Well, I think that it does. And I think it's this scripture lesson, along with the other one that we read, can give us some insights and some things that we should remember when we find ourselves on the top of the world. The first thing I think that we need to see is that when you're on top of the world, when things are going your way, when things are the way you like them, that you stop and you're thankful and you remember where you came from. You remember where you came from. It must have been a high point in David's life, obviously, to become king. And I can imagine when he sat down on the throne for the first time, he had to have reflected upon his life, on how far he had come from those days when he was just a shepherd boy uh, tending the sheep. Those nights when he would be there by himself with just his staff to ward off the attacks on the sheep. Shepherd boy. It had to come to his mind when he was that young man fighting Goliath with just a slingshot and some stones. It had to come to his mind all that he had been through when Saul was chasing him and now now he has replaced King Saul. My friends, if you're enjoying success or good times in your life right now, take some time to be thankful but Also take time to remember what you had to go through to get to where you are. It helps us appreciate where we are that much more if we just think about where we've come from. And even when things are not going so well in your life, or you think maybe that you wished you had something more, it's also a good time to remember where you came from. Through my... Uh, life, I've lived in various houses. I got to think about this between services. I have lived in some absolute, you will not believe, terrible parsonages. I am so thankful to be in the parsonage that I am in now. We've actually visited a parsonage one time, an introductory visit, and there was a big hole in the floor of the kitchen that went right down to the ground. And no one seemed to think that it was a problem. <laughs> but ever so often I'll get into this mode that, oh, you know, it'd be nice, wouldn't it be nice if I didn't have to climb the stairs from the garage to the, to the living room? You know, things like that go through all our minds. And it's those times that if I stop and I remember where I've come, then I think about the times that I've spent in dorm rooms. <laughs> I spent a lot of time in dorm rooms. Some of you did too. I, I spent one whole semester in a dorm room with three other people. It wasn't meant but for two. I remember the apartments that we lived in. I even remember that one time, because we couldn't find a decent place to rent, we had to rent a mobile home. And it was infested with mice. So if you remember where you came from, you appreciate so much more where you are when you're on top of the world. Remember where you came from. Now the other thing is, remember who got you here. How did you get here? Remember it. You know, there's an old saying that says if you see a turtle on top of a fence post, there's a good chance it didn't get up there by itself. You ever heard that? 
You know, David did not get to where he was all by himself. As the Scripture has said to us, the Lord, the God of hosts, was with him. God was ultimately responsible for all of David's success. And of course, there were many people who helped him along the way. Just that some come to my mind from the stories, it's like his friend Jonathan who saved his life. Or Abigail who fed David and his men in the wilderness. You see, if you find yourself in a good place in life today, don't forget to stop and to thank God and the people who helped you along the way. Because there were many people who stood behind you, who were there for you, who helped you in many, many ways, who prayed for you and you didn't even know they were praying for you. There's a song called, You Raise Me Up. And the chorus goes like this. I love this song. You raise me up. It's an old song. You raise me up so I can stand on mountains. You raise me up to walk on stormy seas. I am strong. And when I am on your shoulders, you raise me up to more than I can be. Friends, if you're on top of the world, if life is going good, if you've been fairly successful, you're at a place in your life you're happy with, it's because someone helped you along the way. So remember all those who helped you get to where you are today. You know, David wasn't smarter or stronger or braver or better looking than anyone else. He was chosen for a pur purpose. And that brings me to the third thing. Remember why you're here. Remember why you're here. The psalm we just had read in Psalm 78 says that God chose David, took him from the sheepfolds to shepherd Jacob, his people, and Israel, his inheritance. God chose a shepherd to be a shepherd over God's people. And David was a good shepherd for the people for many years. But then he began to forget why he was there. He, he began to forget why God had made him Israel's shepherd. So friends, if you're enjoying the goodness of life right now, remember that God has put you in that place for a purpose. God has put you in the place that you are for a purpose so that you can serve God and serve others so you can bless others. God blesses us to be a blessing I know that's a cliche, but it's the truth. And if you are willing, God can use you for divine purposes anywhere, anytime. So friends, remember why you're here. Now finally, top of the world. David's on top of the world. And many of us find ourselves on top of the world. But it's important for you to remember that when you get to that place, that it can be a perilous place. You see, you can fall off the top of the world. You need to be careful on your way to the top of the world. First and foremost, that you don't pay too high a price. Don't be like the person who said, I spent my whole life climbing the ladder of success only to find that it was leaned against the wrong building. 
Don't be. Uh, and I have been beside the, beside the bedside of people who are dying and no one ever dies saying, I sure wished I'd spent more time at work. They don't do that. Remember that the top of the world, remember when you're in the, in feeling the best and the greatest about everything. Remember though, that it can be a perilous place. David found the top of the world to be a very perilous place. And it led him into sins of pride, dishonesty, and adultery. And if you don't think this happens every day, all you have to do is look at the sad news that we heard this week. Being on top of the world, though, doesn't automatically mean that you're going to fall into these traps. That's important. It doesn't mean you're automatically going to fall into these traps. But you need to be on the lookout. And you must be careful. You must be watchful. Because the devil prowls around around like a lion looking to devour someone. So friends, if you get to the top of the world or you're in a good place and you're feeling great in life, keep a watch. Be alert. Keep strong in your faith. So if we'll just remember where we came from, take the time to think about that. Who helped us to get to where we are? And why did God put us here? Then God will use you. God will use you in a, in a powerful way. So remember where you came from. Remember who helped you. Remember God has a purpose. Remain faithful and be careful and watchful for perils that may be around. Amen.
may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and may the love of God and may the fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit be yours this day and each day. Amen. Thank you.